Welcome to How To Be Alpha, a show exploring the essentials of having a personal brand and how to generate revenue using your own face and stories. I'm your host, Elizabeth Halford, and I've been curating my personal brand since 2008, when a career as a pro blogger landed in my lap. I became a well-known brand, generating a full-time income before that was really even a thing. I took a break, and now I'm back, bringing you all the juicy gossip to be alpha in your business. And by that, I mean being the best you you can be because your only competition is you, which is great news because it means everyone can be alpha. A few notes before we get started. Don't drive and take notes. Every episode has its own page at youisalpha.com forward slash podcast. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes. You're a small business. I'm a small business. You know the drill. I might even read it out on air. Thanks for joining me. Let's jump right in. Hello. Welcome to episode four. This is my second time recording this in the last hour. I forgot to plug in my microphone. (laughs) So this podcast stuff is not easy. Today's review was delivered to me in real life by the mother of my youngest listeners that I know of, Casey and Sierra. And the review was on episode three, which was a shorty, and it was simply, ah, why is this one so short? So hey, shout out to Casey and Sierra. I happen to know this episode will be about 16 to 20 minutes long, considering the fact this is my second time recording it. Last week in episode three, I defined what a personal brand is and who has one. And I promised that episode four was gonna be about growth hacking, but again, another huge lesson learned. Lesson one, plug in your microphone. Lesson two, Don't promise a topic until I'm done writing it. I had a half written episode and I realized I really need an expert to weigh in here. So I've invited one to speak with me. So let's put a pin in that for now. I'm learning as I go here, people. I could have eked out a half-assed episode loosely based on the growth hacking topic, but it's really important and it deserves more attention than that. So gather around children and I'll tell you the story of a girl who became a pro blogger on accident. I believe in saying yes. I test open doors, I throw stuff at walls to see what sticks. And people write to me often and ask for phone calls or Skype sessions for me to help direct them in their careers as creatives. And this is something that I do. One thing I'm not able to really do is tell you exactly how to become something in particular. And I find it hard to give this advice because the truth is that 99% of the people that we know with incredible careers did not plan for them that way. They thought they were gonna be something totally different from who they are today. I encourage you to go find some of them and ask them. How did you become what you are? And did you plan that? And did you just fall into it? So I'm fascinated by thinking errors. One which applies here is survivorship bias. Survivorship bias is our tendency to focus on the winners in a particular area and trying to replicate their success while completely ignoring the losers who are employing the same strategies. For example, kids might look at Justin Bieber and say he got discovered on YouTube, I'll get discovered on YouTube. And they ignore the hundreds of thousands of not Justin Bieber's who have never and will never be discovered. I would venture to say that in the creative world, most successful people we look up to will tell you they were attempting to achieve something else entirely when they fell into the thing they became successful at, which others are now trying to replicate for themselves. Every journey is different. 
Another thinking error that kind of loosely relates here is swimmer's body illusion. And this is where we look at someone successful at something and attribute it to factors that may have nothing to do with it. We look at a winning swimmer along with their physique and we say their bodies are incredible because they're swimmers, when perhaps the opposite is true, that they were predisposed to be incredible swimmers because of their physique they were born with. This also goes for top universities. Are they really the best schools or do they just recruit the best students. As a personal brand, I see this playing out often when we look at the online lifestyles of others in our field and we fail to recognize that the rich and famous wedding photographer we're comparing ourselves to may have already been rich when they decided to start playing with a camera. And that yes, they claim to charge $20,000 for a wedding, but maybe they've only ever done one of them in their whole career. Or even worse, that house you think is theirs? It's an Airbnb rented for their photo shoots. The designer wardrobe, it's rented. As a personal brand photographer, I'll let you behind the curtain here and tell you that those are tricks we can employ to produce some killer lifestyle results for the brand that you're promoting. But just remember those tricks the next time you're in your PJs at 3 p.m. crying into a box of Cheez-Its because you're not wedding photographer Jasmine Starr. All of that to say, my story is one about tripping over myself and falling into things. Things I didn't even know existed. You see, I became a pro blogger before I knew what blogging even was, and I only started writing content for my own website because I learned about a thing called analytics, and I found out that people were reading my stuff on the blog I was hired to write for, and then landing on my site. And so I somehow instinctively knew I needed to write content for those people on my own website too. Hold that thought. I just need to introduce you to my sponsor. She's gorgeous and she's smart and she's alpha and she's, well, she's me. Until I have a fancy sponsor giving me money to talk about their stuff. Hello, Squarespace. This podcast is sponsored by me and my business called You Is Alpha. Listen, when I was a new blogger and content creator, Instagram wasn't a thing. I survived for five years on one set of images. It's not like that anymore. If you use Instagram, email marketing, or blogging, your audience expects to be served timely, new, and stimulating visual content and the stories you write to go with them. You Is Alpha is a photography brand serving influencers, online entrepreneurs, and personal brands with batch-created photographic content to generate revenue by staying at the forefront of your audience's mind. And because we only shoot once per quarter, you walk away with three months worth of content to post and use regularly. Schedule that stuff out and get back to running the rest of your business. You can find me at youisalpha.com. My first gig was writing for a not-so-little photography website called DPS, digitalphotographyschool.com. Even now, Pretty much any time you ask Google a question about photography, the top results are gonna come from DPS. I had just fallen into photography by accident and I saw this job listing for people to write about photography and I thought, hey, I'm a writer. And so I responded. DPS was run by Darren Rouse of pro blogger fame. I don't know if he still owns it, but he took the people who wanted the gig, ran a piece of test content written by each of us and said, whoever got the best engagement would get the gig. I didn't know what engagement was, but cool. So my post did get the best engagement and hey presto, I was hired. Darren gave me a WordPress login and said write tutorials and editorials and invoice me. So now DPS has about 5 million readers. 
I believe in 2008 when I started, there was something like one, 1.3 million readers, but still I would get something like 30,000 hits on my own website every time one of my posts was published on DPS. But my website was a free WordPress theme with like two things on it that I thought passed for blog posts. And I realized I was getting all this traffic. So I needed to build a home of my own for those readers. And boom, I was creating content for DPS and myself full-time posting every day. I went from writing content to producing videos and online courses and so on and so on. My first video course was so long ago that it was called Shooting My Kids. Can you imagine calling a course that now? So tone deaf. But I cobbled it together with a videographer friend and I paid for an email blast through a popular photography forum and I woke up in the morning with thousands of dollars in my PayPal account and it just kept growing and growing and growing. I got paid to sit in forums and answer people's questions as the resident celeb photographer. I got paid to write educational PDFs. I got paid to sit in coffee shops with people and tell them everything I knew about a topic. Once I was coming to Orlando to visit my family and I said, do any photographers want to get together and pick my brain? At the time I had about 50,000 followers on my Facebook, which was a really big deal back before it was pay to play when you were organically building these audiences. So I got really good engagement. Anytime I said I was going to be anywhere in the world, I could say, do any photographers want to get together? And I'd get pretty good response. So I just said, here's where I'll be and here's what time and people showed up. And I was like, hey, this is cool. But as I went around the table, I learned that people had come from different states just to meet me. One photographer named Jill, who I'm still friends with today, said she lived in Kansas. And I was like, hey, cool. So are you here on vacay or something? And she was like, no, you said I could meet you. So I came. She got on a plane and stayed in a hotel to meet me for an hour. Not long after that, she quit a job she hated and went full-time as a photographer and wrote me an email that said, everything I have done to start my business has been done with the help of you. After that, it just kept happening. One lady came from Brazil to meet me twice. I had a couple from the Czech Republic come so I could show them how to set up a four light white seamless studio look. I got recognized on the train. I got asked for selfies. I don't know how that happens when you're a blogger who doesn't use any pictures of themselves, but there you go. When you're busy being passionate about your passion, your tribe will find you. There is no need to get tricky. It can happen. And yet knowing how to get your voice out there, how to amplify yourself, this is also important. And I guess we can kind of loosely talk about growth hacking here a little bit because I knew nothing about techniques for growth or analytics or engagement. I just wrote meaningful, timely, evergreen content that people were looking for. And my platform grew. One of the reasons that I feel like we need to get an expert on the show to help walk me through this growth hacking topic is the fact that I suspect I'm employing a lot of those techniques myself even now, but I think it just comes naturally because I have such a long history in being a content publisher. And so I really need someone to kind of dig into what I'm doing and help pull out the gold so that we can discover the techniques that you can use to replicate those same results. But I do hope that my story is convincing enough that authentic, meaningful content, which scratches an itch is the way to go. But this is a new world and there are a million content publishers in your niche, right? When I started with the photography blogging, there were maybe five, 10, 15 of us. It was like the wild west of blo you know, blogging before the um, advertising authorities got involved and made you start putting notifications on your website about affiliate links and stuff like that. It was, it was glorious. No one was in charge. No one knew what they were doing. And there was a lot of money to be made. But 
Because there are a lot of content publishers now in your niche, it does make sense to pair growth techniques along with meaningful value-packed content to get that content out in the world so it can change lives. But in the beginning, when I had very little competition, I just knew I was a teacher. And as a new creative, I was desperate for anyone to take me under their wing and let me go to work with them. I was desperate for any photographer to let me shoot with them or just let me watch them shoot. And no one was willing to open themselves up to me. I suspect that had something to do with the fear of competition, but I also know from experience that this might also have to do with the feeling that a lot of us don't really even know if we're doing it right. And it's kind of embarrassing or very vulnerable and naked to allow someone else to watch us in our process. So I do totally recognize that that could be a reason why it's hard to find other creatives who will allow you behind the curtain of their business. But anyway, I pushed up my sleeves and I got down and dirty and I read books and I watched YouTube and I Googled every single question I had about photography and I took photos and I bombed a lot. And as I was learning, I was turning around and teaching those things to my growing audience. I decided that if no one was going to be willing to open themselves up and let me see their guts and their mistakes and their workflows and their wins and their losses, I was going to be that for other people. I decided to scratch my own itch and be the answer to the problem I was experiencing in the world. Now, I'm a big believer in drawing inspiration for what you do from outside your own niche. And the only way you can do this is to get outside of your circle, be intensely curious about the world, ask people about what they do, ask them how they do it, find everything interesting. And as you learn, you can turn around and teach those things to your freshman class. I don't remember where I heard it, but I recently heard someone say that everyone has a freshman class. Even if you're only a sophomore in your industry or halfway through your freshman year, you have just behind you a freshman class who you can mentor. And this is how I grew my following in those early days. Here's an example of getting inspiration from outside of your own niche. My dad is a chef. And when I was a kid, he told me about chef Julia Child and something he told me about her stuck. It got caught up under my ribs and I could really never shake it. He told me that on her cooking show, she didn't edit out her mistakes. If her souffle fell, she showed you. If she tried flipping a thing over and it came out all over the stovetop, she showed you. This is how I built my following when my personal brand was just a baby. I showed photographers my bombed sessions. I recorded screen capture videos of myself trying to figure out this new set of Photoshop actions. I wrote blog posts about wanting to quit. And not later after I had shaken the feeling, but while I was still considering whether or not I was gonna quit. Be daring in your content. Don't stuff the keywords and try to be too tricky about your topics. Be real, 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 not faux real, not trendy real and it will happen for you. Thanks so much for listening. Next week, we're talking about how to write your brand's value statements, also known as value propositions. It's not just gonna be a why, it's gonna be a how-to with two easy steps to do it in 20 minutes or less. Don't miss it. Thank you so much for listening. You are such a babe. A reminder that all notes are available at youisalpha.com forward slash podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn as youisalpha. And on Instagram, I'm youalphababe. Now go leave me that review and remember, you is kind, you is smart, you is alpha.